You're listening to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast with your host, Nick Shuquette. Today's show features another amazing entrepreneur who has found success online. Now, let's learn what it takes to be a million dollar seller. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Chouquette. Uh, today, we have Ephraim on the call. He's been a partner of MDS for a little bit now, so uh, it's uh, always fun to get a partner on the on the call and and talk business. So uh, welcome, man. We're excited to have you. Hi, Nick. How are you? Good to see you again. Yeah, you as well, man. How's, uh, how's business been? Business has been... Amazing. Obviously, supply chain is a challenging market right now, but it's doing, we're doing great. Yeah, it's uh, been interesting to, to see what's unfolded and continues to unfold in that space. It seems like things are really changing a lot. Uh, it is. I'm sure you guys have a lot to stay on top of. <laughs> yeah, it is. Every two weeks, there's something new that comes up. So there's something going on every couple of weeks. So as long as we think like, oh, things are better, and then there's a new surprise. So yeah, thank God for that. But uh, we're we're trying to help everyone out, everybody in their issues. But uh, yeah, it's just unpredictable right now. That's in the, that's the timing right now we're living in. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting to get into some details on uh, you know what's really going on in the industry right now. Uh, but first, man, let's uh, let's get to know you a little bit. Like, how did you sure. end up um, where you're at now? Um, and, and where are you guys based? Uh, I know you're the, you're the chief logistics officer at the company. Uh, so our headquarters is in New Jersey. Okay. In Jersey. And so are operating, you guys have some warehouses and a few other places though, right? Yeah. We have right in back of me where you see the window, you can see pallets stacked up there. Um, and then we have a facility in California right now, half a million square feet. And then we are almost signing a new lease for another half a million square feet. So we're, we're growing pretty rapidly um, around the e-commerce Amazon space. Nice. Congrats on that. So I'll go into a little bit of my history, how I'm sitting on this chair right now. So in 2011, I started working for a candy company. Um, they sold bulk candy and chocolate. They had their own website and they had five retail stores. And I came in there. It was before one of the Jewish holidays. Um, and I came in there to help because we have the holiday of Purim. It's like Halloween. Um, part of it, it's not like trick-or-treating, but all adults and kids give gifts to each other. So it's like candy, chocolate, cake, like cookies, anything. People think of wine, whiskey. Um, everybody with their own twist, how they want to do it. Um, so they sold thousands of gift baskets in the Purim season. That's in March usually. So I came in there. It was my first job. I was like desperate to start working. Um, so I, I applied for the job. That's something. Like, yeah, you're just going to take phone calls, take orders, do things like that. So I did that for like a month before the holiday. And then the owner said like, I want to keep your hair. So it's like, what am I going to do? Like the holiday's over. So he said, like, we started Amazon 2010. It didn't work for us. We closed that account. Like, would you start Amazon again? And so like, yeah, I have some friends that started Amazon recently. So I could definitely jump into that and see what uh, is going to happen. So I started the Amazon account and I just started listing basically, I think I listed 5,000 SKUs total by end of the 
within like four or five months. And was that that was that was 2011. 2011. Wow. Okay. So I listed a ton of product, um, and I started like finding different service providers that help with keywords. Um, there was not that many companies yeah, that we have today. Yeah, who was around back then? Um, it was Merchant Words was new then. Okay, I remember Merchant Words. Right. So Merchant Words, and there was okay. one more company. I can't remind myself the name. Um, I think Canopy today was the original owner of that. Okay. Okay. Um, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot the name. It wasn't that popular. I used that one. And like, because in the beginning, it was like, I listed a few hundred products and like, there's no sales. Like, what's going on? And like, still, I started learning. Like, you got to put in keywords. You can't leave old, like, you can't leave the fields empty. So I started filling them in with different keywords. Um, so it was a very interesting journey. Like the first four or five months, I really felt like I worked my ass off, like sitting and listing stuff and like yeah. nothing's happening. So at that time I learned Amazon PPC came out. Okay. It was a new thing then. And at that time, I remember I told my boss, like, Hey, we're going to start advertising our product. He said like, Hey, like it's going to be expensive. Don't do that. So I said like, no, it's very cheap. So I think we spent, um, $16 the first week and it brought us $5,000 in revenue. <laughs> so like, if you tell that someone today, you spent $16 on Amazon PPC and I'm raising 5,000, they'll tell you like, you're kidding. Like it's not happening. But yeah, that was brand new then. So we started doing a lot of PPC then. And we really, um, from like the first four months, we had literally 10, $15 a day. So like literally one unit sold within nine months since I started, we did almost a million in revenue. Nice. Um, with help, the help of Amazon PPC. So I did that for the first year. And then the next year we really started growing a lot. And, um, I came to the owner and I said like, Hey, we want to, I want to try to work something out. Maybe I could get a commission, a promotion, something, because I started at $10 an hour cash, uh, when I started before Amazon. And then he told me like, Hey, uh, I can't give you cash anymore because that was just a temporary thing for a month. Like we're a legit company. If you want to have full employment, you got to go on the books. So he gave me 12 bucks an hour. Um, How old were you then? I was 21. Okay. So I told him like 12 bucks an hour after a couple of months, like I said, it's not going to work to me. Like you're taking off from paycheck taxes and everything. Like I'm making peanuts, like, and I'm putting a lot of work in and you're starting to really see results. So after he gave me a little bit of a raise after a year or so, I felt like it's not for me. I really learned the Amazon business Well, I'm going to do it on my own. So I did not, I did some of like, he was focused more on the Jewish holidays and on bulk candy and chocolate. So I decided I'm going to go into the secular world, like any holiday, like Christmas, um, Easter, Valentine's day, mother's day, father's day. So I started my own business doing those gift baskets. Obviously Christmas was the biggest, like we, I sold around 35,000, 40,000 gift baskets in a six week period. Okay. Um, and then the other seasons were more of a smaller um, season. So by doing that, um, I was fully focused on that. I did, I was doing, I was a seven figure seller, um, for, I did that for two and a half years. Then I figured out that, Hey, there's three PLs out there. Um, let me try to use three PL, but obviously with food, um, you need to have a special three PL. So I found a company that was going to put together my gift baskets, um, do the three PL for me, ship it out all to Amazon FBA. Um, we did that for another two and a half years. Then basically I um, felt like I was very bored because um, Valentine's Day was a 
pretty good season, but from Valentine's on, it was really very little. Okay. And at the same time, Amazon introduced IPI, Inventory Performance Index. So you had to have a sell through really well to be able to have like unlimited amount of storage. So for me, summer from May till end of the year, till I mean, November, there was nothing going on. So I wasn't selling much. So Amazon basically did not let me send in my 35,000 units for Christmas season because I wasn't selling even close. I was selling maybe 5,000 units from May till November. That was all I sold. So I had a big issue. So what I did was um, at that time, I emailed Jeff at Amazon, okay. um, telling them like, hey, my job is on the line. My business is on the line. I have a family of kids. Um, I just like, I send them pictures for my kids. Like a really sob story that's saying like, hey, I need your help. And like, you guys are not letting me in. And I put an email tracker on it to see if anybody read the email. So the first 40 minutes, nothing going on. From minute 40, to like 45 minutes in after the email, we got around like 45 notifications that somebody read my email. Nice. Okay. Two hours later, I get a call from apparently Amazon, Jeff Bezos executive office saying that we received the inquiry. We're going to look into that. We will, we will have a resolution within three to four hours. And thank God they gave me unlimited storage. Okay. Um, but at that time, I really felt like I am really taking a risk. Who said it's going to work right now? Work. It doesn't work anymore. If you speak to people today, but email Jeff at Amazon yeah, is not, not like that. Not, yeah. not like that. It doesn't work like that. So I decided to, I had a friend that sold um, bulk nuts, like the different types of nuts. And I asked him like, do you want to have a separate brand? Like, do you want to buy it? So he decided he wants to buy it off me. Like this, he has the all year round business and the holiday season. So he put that business off me. It was before the aggregators were out there. Yeah. Uh, was before people were paying three, four, five, six, seven X on, 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 on profits. But I sold it to my friend and... At that time, my father um, owned a 3PL for a while. And he said, like, he wants to grow into the Amazon business. He had no knowledge because we were a 3PL for traditional retailers like Celta, Walmart, Target, CVS. So at the time I joined, I started like, like, how could I get Amazon sellers? Like, I know the Amazon business really well. So we came up that we're going to go for Ocean Freight, like a freight forwarding license. So we added that. Um, so within a year, we added a freight forwarding license. We became a licensed trucking broker. So we came up with this thing that, hey, we're going to do imports, warehousing, and deliveries to Amazon for Amazon sellers. So it took us probably from there, I would say the last three years is really where we started growing a lot. The first year and a half was more like of a proof of concept. Like, hey, I have a concept. Let's see if it works. Um, and then it started really working out for us. And then when COVID came, Two years ago, um, Amazon shut down their warehouses, right? There was the unit restrictions, the, the fulfillment restrictions, storage restrictions. They had so many different restrictions. And these big sellers were forced to use a 3PL that they never used before. Um, so that's when we really got a big push and we really um, got into a lot of um, a lot of Amazon, bigger Amazon sellers started using us. That's when we got introduced to MDS back then. Like we had started getting MDS members um, interested in our services. And then from then, a lot of sellers learned like, hey, you need to have product sitting in the US yeah. or in other marketplaces just in case you sell out. You don't want to be in the case where you don't have enough inventory. You have to air them in or just 
um, go crazy if the port is congested and you're running out of stock. So um, a lot of bigger sellers came up with that, that they need to sit at least on six, three to six months of supply in the U.S. So just in case they do well, they sell well, they could just send it in right away. So okay. that's basically my, my story, um, my own story, how I got into this. Um, what pulled me into it was because I myself use a 3PL, I use freight forwarder, I use truckers when I was an Amazon seller. And a lot of them didn't have any Amazon knowledge at all. Um, some of them that did have knowledge was very like bits and pieces. Like my freight forwarder had no knowledge of Amazon. My 3PL, I gave them lessons what Amazon is all about. Now they're doing pretty well actually with Amazon sellers in the food in the food district. So they so for, for me, I came up with that point. Like for an Amazon seller, most of Amazon sellers are not huge, right? They're not like big box retailers that bring in five, six thousand containers a year. They're more smaller, medium-sized companies that bring in 100 containers, 50 containers, 25, 200, 300. It's more in that number. That's majority of the Amazon community, the sellers on Amazon. So I came up with that idea like, hey, we take care from A to Z for you. Like you, you build your product, you focus on PPC, on growing your product, growing your SKU list, whatever you need to do to grow your business. Like we will handle the, the logistics part of it. And uh, we're doing pretty well with that. People are really happy with that. Yeah, man, that's a great niche to be in. And someone with your background uh, is is perfect to be of assistance to an Amazon seller that needs some help with logistics. I mean, it's it's uh, clear that you know the ins and outs and and have a good pulse on, um, you know, probably like how to get inventory in the fastest way to Amazon and, uh, you know, handle any issues with prepping and packaging and stuff like that to get it into Amazon. Um, and it's definitely convenient because a lot of, a lot of times, like you said, when you talk to people to get inventory and they're like, what, how do you do the labels? What is that? Um, right. you know, what does that mean? And, and like, if you miscommunicate on a label, like that can be an expensive, uh, right. <laughs> you know, if someone misunderstands you and accidentally labels, you know, 5,000 units at, you know, 20 cents a label or something. And you know, you didn't need it. And there was just a miscommunication along the way. Like, I'm sure that happens often. I know personally, I go out of my way to make sure they know uh, right. what we're referring to if they, if they don't, but, um, hundred percent. It's also like, I remember when I was a seller myself and like we made once a huge mistake, my staff labeled 5,000 units with the wrong F and SKU label. So back then I called Amazon, put up a case and they changed all the labels for me. Okay. Now it's, it's already a couple of years. They don't do that anymore. If you mislabel something, you got to do a removal order. A removal order takes eight weeks, nine weeks, sometimes three months, sometimes depending what time of the year until you get all your units back. And a lot of times they come in like onesie, like a one in a box, two in a box. They come in hundreds of boxes. They get damaged in transit. So definitely like if, if you, your supplier made a mistake or anything like that, or Amazon made, made by uh, like the last two years, they really cracked down on inserts, right? How you write the inserts is a violation. They could shut down your account. They could shut down your listing. Like if you don't have a reliable 3PL that could do that for you or your own warehouse, whatever people sell, some sellers have their own warehouse, you really, it's really could be really costly and you could just wipe out your profit just like that. Yeah. Um, by making that such a mistake. So that's why it's important um, to have 
whoever you work with, if it's your own staff or you use the other staff, that they are knowledgeable with the Amazon requirements, rules, and changes that happens. Yeah, so that's really important. Man. Do you guys help with returns at all? Yeah, the returns, not as much. It's more the removal orders. But yeah, I mean, definitely there's a lot of companies out there that do re like returns, like they're good at it. They resell it to you, stuff, stuff like that. Um, check if it's good. Um, majority of our returns are more removal orders um, from Amazon, but uh, definitely we have returns as well. Okay. Nice, man. So I didn't know you had that deep of a background on on the selling side, uh, especially that early on. Like, um, you know, you're, you're an OG in the game, man. You've been <laughs> for a while. Like, yeah. Uh, I've known so many people that were used to be very famous, like influencers, and now like nobody even knows about them. <laughs> and like, I got to know the new generation of new influencers and new speakers. And so it's really, uh, yeah, it's, I'm 11 years in the game. Yeah. So. And I feel like New York time. has been a real hot spot for selling on Amazon. I mean, there's a lot of people coming out of New York with like strong Amazon businesses. Right. Um, from what I've seen over the years. Right. Uh, especially like in the community where I live closely to is like the Jewish Hasidic community. So um, how we grow up, we're, we're very like a sheltered, like uh, with um, from the world, like we don't have TV. A lot of the, our homes don't have TV. A lot of them don't even have smartphones. Like they have okay. flip phones still. Like there's a lot of people that that's what they, that, that's what they, uh, that's what they believe in. Again, I, um, everybody has their different beliefs. So within Judaism, there's like probably 50, 60 different types. So a lot of them didn't have a proper education on the English side, right? Okay. Speaking English, um, doing business. So for them, Amazon was like, a huge game changer because you don't have to talk to anyone. You don't have to deal with anyone. All you got to know is how to list product, yeah, do PPC and sell. So yeah, uh, that's why it blew up so strongly in Brooklyn and where I, the area where I live. Um, there's a lot of a lot of um, people that sell on Amazon. Um, probably, I think somebody came up with that number. Like twenty percent of Amazon sellers in the East Coast are from like New York, New Jersey area. I believe. Um, so, so that's probably the reason why there were so many, like when I, when I got married and I started business, um, all my friends were like, oh, we're doing Amazon. So that was like the thing right now. It's like, don't touch. Like if you want to start on Amazon, like you really have to have money for that. You really got to know what you're doing. Um, you really have to use the right partners. Um, it's very different than 11 years ago. Nice, man. Well, I, we see that you have your, you know, beautiful family up on the wall back there. Um, you know, how, how is life at home for you guys now? I mean, um, are, are your, is your family like pretty dialed into what you're doing and, and are you like, how are you raising them based on what you've been through and have accomplished, um, with your own stuff? So, um, it's very interesting actually. Like, um, my wife is, um, a partner in first choice shipping. So we're both in logistics. Okay. So that's a little like uh, people like go crazy. Like, Hey, how do, how do you guys do it? Like, so like, she's more on the export side, like anybody that sells overseas, any Amazon facility outside of the U S um, that's what she focuses on. And I'm more inside the U S and imports the U S. So you so, say, you can only do the exports I'm right. holding down the imports. <laughs> yeah. They actually did some imports and then they shut down that thing because she felt like, 
Um, it was a conflict of interest and we work a lot together because we, we introduce each other, a lot of customers all the time. Okay. Um, they were, they're preferred by Amazon themselves. Like, um, Amazon sends them, uh, sellers every single day that they yeah. want to expand globally. So they're yeah. pretty big with Amazon in the global expansion team, but, um, definitely. So, um, we both, um, it's weird. It's interesting how she got the job and everything, um, how that happened. Um, so we got married. I started my Amazon business, um, a little later. At first I worked for the candy company. So we had our first son. So my son is turning 10. Um, then we have, uh, two daughters, a five year, uh, one that's turning five and one on May 5th. Um, and then a daughter that just turned two. Okay. So we're a family of, uh, five altogether, um, three kids. So my son really grew up with that journey. Like he knows everything about Amazon. Um, he knows a lot about logistics, even though he's only nine, 10 years old, but he knows a lot of it. Like, <laughs> um, he hears me talking on the phone a lot of times, things like that. But, um, so my wife was like working for a car company, um, when I did Amazon okay. and she was leasing cars, selling cars. Um, that was her, that was, that was her first job. And like, she told me like, she hates the car industry. Like it's just really tough and like people are really rude and like, like she didn't like, it wasn't like a community based type of business. It's, it's more of a, um, a rough business. She called it. And I was just like looking classifieds without her knowledge, even just looking classified like job offers and like something like this first choice shipping co is like, got my eyes, like it's a part-time job. She wanted them work part-time. So I just, um, I had my, I had a resume on my email. I just submitted the resume for her and she just gets a call like two weeks later, like, Hey, do you apply for job at first for shipping? And she's like, no, but not that I'm aware of, but, um, I'm in to come down for an interview. So, um, so she went out for an interview and that's what happened. She started working as a part-time employee and she got in, um, she became a partner a year and a half ago, almost three years ago. Wow. So, so that's how we both became like, like I had the Amazon experience. She learned a lot from me because I was selling then I was selling in Amazon UK. I was selling in Amazon Germany. I was selling in Canada. So it helped out a lot between me and her growing her business first. And then after she was fully like, they were doing great. They got connected with Amazon, Amazon referred them. That's when I started working here at Tactical. So, um, it was a really interesting journey, but like, we're both really happy. Um, we're happy. We have a beautiful family. Um, uh, we make sure from, she does from five till eight, there's okay. no work. Um, basically your phone goes away. You must go away for me. I come a little later, but for me, first hour and a half, I come home, we're completely focused on the kids and the family. And then afterwards we can just catch up or um, spend some time. So that's, that's on the family side. Nice. Nice, man. Yeah. You know, I think those blocks of time with the family, uh, are critical. Like I went through a weird phase where I was like, it, it felt weird to do that <laughs> to my family. Like, Oh, I'm going to schedule time for my family. And I was like, but then it was weird. So I'm like, well, on the other side of this coin, it's like in, in work and stuff, we're proud of this and it's like good and it's important. And right. But on the family side, it's like, oh, you shouldn't have to do that. And then, and then I realized like, well, whatever I need to do, <laughs> right. me, exactly. I, I need to have that time scheduled. Uh, and it does. Yeah. I have, I have two numbers. So one is my personal number. One is my business number. 
but they usually are on one phone. So I have okay. my iPhone. That's where both numbers go into. Um, but when I before I come home for the first hour and a half, I change like I forward my number to a flip phone. Okay, like the old fashioned flip phone. Just and all I have is the phone. Like if anybody needs me emergency, I'm available for a phone call. But like no email, no WhatsApp, no messenger. Like no nothing else could like. Um, like distract me for the first hour and a half um, because my son like that's when we really started looking into it because my son was like you're always on the phone and it's like what am I doing like yeah it's my son like I don't want to teach him things that when he gets older he's gonna do the same thing so yeah the goal is to make sure our kids are happy and they feel safe in the house environment and they get their intention what they need their kids after all yeah so they, they need their daddy and mommy time all the time yeah, 100%, man. The phone thing, it's 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 one of those things that can become a habit and like you don't right. realize you're doing it and you're exactly. like you're like oh, I'm going to go take a walk with my son, but you know, 5 minutes of the time he's talking, I'm looking at my phone. <laughs> you know, and I'm like what am I doing? You know, so I right. just leave it. You know, like you said, I just put it away for a certain amount of time. Uh, yeah, so that's I amazing. Be focused. <laughs> yeah, we don't know because like when we were kids, right? Our parents didn't have smartphones, right? Right. So we never experienced parents that were fully focused on social media or electronic devices because yeah. they were not connected to it at all. Today's generation is very different. So we don't know how our kids will grow up to be when they're 20 or 22 years old. But at least when they're home, they feel like they have parents that care for them and they feel safe. Yeah, that's that's my that's my um, ultimate goal. 100 percent, man. Definitely, definitely something good to, to have. Um, I've got three kids myself and, uh, one of the most important things, man, is raising those kids, right? <laughs> exactly. It's good for everyone in the long run, man. You don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. I, I ran my parents, uh, through the ringer, man. So <laughs> I'm not trying to do that, uh, to myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, well, good, man. That, that was cool to, uh, get some background on how family life is for you guys. Like do, with, with the way that you guys work or are you able to like, kind of do things when you want, like take a vacation, you know, pick the kids up from school, uh, take them out to lunch. Like what's, what's that look like? Sure. So we have, yeah, we have in the winter, I usually go away with my wife solo, um, on vacation. Um, then in the summer we have, um, like the kids are off school for like eight weeks. So, um, I rent out a cottage in upstate New York where it looks like we're like a group of 23 families. So we go up there, um, for six to eight weeks straight. Um, they have, the kids have their like a camp where they could go swim, enjoy themselves activities. Um, like there's very little studies, like maybe like two, three hours a day. That's it instead of a full okay. day. So they do some studying in the morning, um, Jewish studies, English studies, whatever um, they need to do. And then they have like activity every day. So they have sometimes um, sports, uh, swimming, um, events, they go on trips. So that's the kids always look forward to that. Um, they love it. Um, the kids are out the whole day, so they don't even walk into the cottage. They just run in like, oh, I need something to drink. I need something to eat. And they just yeah. run right out. So we do that for eight weeks. So Awesome, man. So I, we take turns. So I'm usually here in the office, middle of the week. I go off to the weekends and then um, my wife is there with a the kid. She works remote from there. And then we change it around um, for a couple of weeks that I work remotely. So um, we make sure between both parents, like they're, they're, that their kids have their full enjoyment, but that's what the kids have. And then we have two holidays a year 
where um like right now passover holiday starts tomorrow night okay um so it's like it's eight days nine day holiday and then we have four days in the middle that we don't really work but we have phones and we're connected to the world and then like it's the time where you go out with your kids but locally like some people go away um we're going locally we'll, we're going to do next week monday we're doing sesame street in pennsylvania um we'll go there with the kids one day we'll go probably to aquarium or um a ride like arcades place so like just like to give the kids enjoyment so we do that twice a year as well locally and then yeah like i said it's summer so between the full year um kids get some enjoyment we have some enjoyment obviously there's conferences that we need to go to we both have we both go to so that's a little bit of a break family time but at the same time it's work so yeah we, we mix it up <laughs> yeah between family and work it's uh it's easy to schedule like a whole year <laughs> right exactly <laughs> like oh man my whole year is pretty much uh planned right <laughs> <laughs> good stuff man well uh yeah, let, let's uh, let's chat a little bit about like what business is like for you at the moment. Um, yeah, things are crazy right now. I feel like it's changing um, every day. It almost feels like, but you know, what what are some challenges that you're seeing at the moment for your clients, and what are some of your bigger clients doing to like work around these challenges that keep popping up? Right. So right now, there's a, just a challenge that we just passed, but it's obviously still hurting. A lot of sellers that is that the port of la was very congested i'm sure you were aware of that in the months of october november december january and a lot of product came in late and a lot of sellers unfortunately missed their q4 season with products sitting on the boat so what happened was obviously it overloaded our warehouse at the same time and it's sitting product because that was supposedly was going to sell in q4 and obviously you don't have a lot of people don't have the same sales i have all year round and i have q4 so that was a big deal for us as a company like dealing with that overflow yeah um and we're actually take look like leasing now another uh building the same size um one of that is because of this this reason but at the same time we're also adding a lot of new customers um so that's the issue that we had and the second thing that sellers right now are experiencing is that COVID is raging in China right now in yeah. a lot of areas. So apparently I just read yesterday, I think 25% or 26% of factories are shut down in Shanghai area. Shanghai is one of the biggest uh, manufacturing and port um, in China that stuff are going out. So what that's probably going to cause, first of all, you can't get your product out fast enough because if your factory shut down, basically you're kind of screwed. Yeah. at the same time on the other end that means that right now we're seeing a, a drop in rates on the import side okay. but the minute things get better it's going to be that rush again yeah that we had last year and two years ago where rates shut up and capacity tightened so anyone i would say any seller that doesn't have that issue currently that their factories are working and they could get stuff out just plan ahead and try maybe to import your products earlier because again i don't think it will hit the rates of last year where it was 14 18 19 20 thousand dollars okay. a container or even more i mean some people paid to new york thirty thousand. i saw in the news somewhere um not in my not in our company but some yeah. people just said they paid 30 32 but my goal is just basically it might come july august when there's a big push 
um, after they went through that COVID surge and there's going to be less capacity, rates will go up and then you're paying more and they get the same risk again. And at the same time is even though you might ship a little bit later, don't do the same thing you did last year where you ship product out in October, um, even beginning of October. Um, yeah, obviously the port is much better right now. We don't know. Like we said, every few weeks, there's no surprises. Yeah. We don't know what's going to be November this year. The port might be easy. And you might ship it in October and you have a beginning of November and you're good and you're safe. But don't plan on that because just in case you, there is a congestion, there is issues at the port, you're risking your whole Q4 again. Yeah. And so for some people that could really put them out of business. Um, losing that full quarter and being stuck on the water. So that would be my advice on the port side. And that's the, the struggles that some sellers are going through right now. We have stuff that factories are working, but truckers have to pass certain barriers to get to the port and they have to quarantine and they have to do COVID tests and stuff like that. And truckers are not interested in doing that. It's just a huge headache for them. So they have a problem that product is ready, product is ready to go. They just can't get, get on the boat. So all these uh, issues that our sellers are experiencing right now, whoever's not experiencing now should just jump on it because there's new pockets. There's near Shenzhen, there's already closures again. There's near Ningbo, a new closures again, some areas where they're shutting down. So we don't know where this is going to um, in the next few months. It might surge all over. They might shut down eventually Shanghai, I mean, Ningbo port or 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 uh, Shenzhen port, and that has happened for a couple of days. Right now, Shanghai port is open, but the problem is to get there is a huge deal. So um, around 19% of containers are not getting there because they can't. There's not enough truckers that want to go through that hell of going through the full quarantine process, the test process. So that would be my advice. Just uh, really don't think it's only April right now and May and Q4 is far away. Yeah. We only just finished first quarter, but still just keep that in mind um, to have that resolved or have a game plan how you want to import. That's on the import side. On the, on the warehouse side, it's pretty much things are running pretty smoothly. Um, the labor market has gotten much better on the general labor sector. I mean, the higher positions, I think we all still struggling to hire the talent, but in the general labor um sector it got much better so we had in covid we had so many outbreaks and people were not going to work because unemployment or whatever the reason was um things are much better on that side um but also with uh with amazon changing the rules right now they made it much better for sellers they opened up the a lot of restrictions got yeah. eased up much more but my advice on that is don't right now send like a crazy amount of product Amazon because they let you because just in case you're not having your sales velocity right you're not having the sales cycle what they want to see you your IPI score will drop right and at the same time they might restrict you later on or they might restrict all sellers in four months from now if they get overloaded so then you're gonna have to start doing removal orders right and then when Amazon gives you a lot of sellers that know that don't know that when Amazon gives you the removal like they give you some windows if you remove from this date to that date it's free right yeah you cannot send in that product again into Amazon. I think you, it used to be six months. I think right now it's 10 months or maybe more that you can send back in that SKU. Yeah, so how long it is, but yeah, they do. Yeah, it, it's a while, right? So you have to be really careful. Like 
some people say like, oh, I'm back to Amazon. Like I'm not using a warehouse anymore. It just comes straight from the port into Amazon. Just make sure that you have a plan to sell them out pretty quickly because you don't know what Amazon is going to do three months from now. Yeah. So again, it's like we're living in an unknown time right now. Nobody knows where things will shift, but at least to be conservative and cautious of what you're doing, not to screw yourself in the long run, that's really important um, for Amazon sellers. So with Amazon, like it, it's clear that they're pushing this burden of like storing products um, onto the sellers, right? Like they just don't want to deal with those situations right. like they used to. So with things always changing, like how do you work with your clients um, to kind of remain somewhat flexible and dynamic with what's going on as well and the impacts it has on uh, the sellers when those things happen out of nowhere? Right. So what I do is I tell all my sellers that work with me, once we sign a contract, once we move forward, that I commit myself to do your work, I commit myself 100%. So if something happens that you need to do a huge removal order, you need to store products right now because you can't send them into Amazon, like that's my issue. It's not your issue. Like if I committed myself to do the work for you, that's my commitment. It's my responsibility. If I need overflow space or I'm, I need another building, that's my issue. It's not your issue. So that's what we're trying do i mean we went through a lot of even mds members um called me up in the last couple months is that uh, my warehouse tell, told me to leave like they can't handle me anymore yeah. they can't handle more like i don't do that like i told them like if i commit to you that's my issue it's not your issue so that's how i work around that it's like i'm we have policies in place we have SOPs in place obviously that's part of our Anywhere else should have such a process, but obviously we're flexible. A lot of times, like if somebody is running out of stock today or tomorrow, he needs something in emergency. Obviously, I'm not going to say like, "Hey, we are have SOP of two days. We're not going to do fast enough." Like we will try to accommodate. Like I'll try to make sure because I know, and I teach that to my staff. It's like we pull up Amazon.com. We take a listing. Oh, you see here this customer. This is their brand. You see it on Amazon. You see they have five thousand reviews, a thousand reviews on the product. That's very important. You see in the bottom, there's seller ranking. What does that mean? So if the product goes out of stock, what happens to this listing? This listing drops, right? Then once it goes back in stock, you have to spend a lot more money at PPC. And sometimes people have that death sentence, that product. If they ran out of stock for some period of time and their competition really knocked them out because they were leading for two months, that might be a death sentence for your product forever. I mean, you might never get to those sales again sometimes. So that's what I try to teach all my management team is to understand what means a stock car on Amazon. Yeah, that's amazing, man. It's great to have someone on your team like that with that perspective. Right. And that's why I think, again, I don't like trying to brag about myself or about the company, but I think that's what sellers really enjoy working with me is because I speak their language. Like I was a seller. I worked two years for another company. I worked almost five years on my own. Um, so I've done it for seven years. I mean, things have changed a lot last year or two. Um, I get more or less, I hear from sellers what's going on, but it's the same thing. It's still the ranking. It's still running out of stock. It's the same issues that people had seven years ago, five years ago. It's just right now, it's worse. So if you run out of stock right now, you have a bigger problem than you if you ran out of stock five years ago because the, the market is so much more saturated. Um, with so many different sellers. So if you run out of stock, you're giving the opportunity for someone to really come up on top. So all that is is really important. And I, I try to make sure with my staff is that 
they actually understand the urgency. So part one of our values of the company as tactical is urgency. Because basically we, we understand that there has to be discipline. That means there has to be processes and ways how to run our business. True. Any business should have that. But there's also the sense of urgency that if there's an emergency coming up, we know we have to jump to try to help if we can. And if we can, we should do it. So that's our that's how we teach our employees. Um, we very much strongly believe in the values that we have. Um, it's, I actually will want to wait a second tell you what it is, all of them. And I'll, I'll touch on that base as well. Because I want to really elaborate on that, on the community part as well. So we just pull that so we've got our we've got some core values too for the group. So yeah, it's very important because when we hire someone, we really give them that manual. Like this is what we stand for. Are you? Do you feel like you believe in that? Yeah. Again, that's not for general labor because general labor, like some of them, don't even speak English. Like um, they're um, the general laborers. But anybody in management or leads have to have to basically believe in the values because otherwise, then you're working just to make a paycheck. A lot of people are doing that. We want to have people that we grow with and do that. So that's basically um, what we believe in. So our values are community, urgency, honesty, and discipline. So urgency and discipline are really enemies, but yeah. we have. But you need to have the balance of that. So the discipline is yeah, day to day. We need to have the discipline in the warehouse. Um, or in the company, but at the same time, urgency. Sometimes we gotta look at urgency and like try to help out. So that's our our four core values, and our our new slogan that we're working on right now is to deliver our customers' livelihoods. So we're explaining to our employees is that when we ship a box, you put an FBA label on a carton, right? There's 12 units, 14 units. It's gonna generate you two thousand, a hundred dollars, whatever the revenue you're gonna generate on that product. That somebody's livelihood, somebody's paycheck is dependent on that, somebody's lifestyle, somebody's family, so many, so much because logistics is boring, right? A warehouse is boring. You come into the warehouse, there's a bunch of pallets, brown boxes, like, like, like it's boring, really is. Like, what is about a brown box? But if you have that feeling and you believe in that, like, hey, I'm doing this right now. We're sending this into Amazon right now because someone else will benefit out of it. Like you're doing something that someone else should be able to have a good life, um, a good family, um, support people, whatever it is, charity, whatever the person wants to do with it. But it's a livelihood. A box is a livelihood. It's just not a, it's not a brown carton. So that's really important that we're pushing now a lot is to believe in our values. One of our values is community and like how I look at Amazon versus retail because we have both customers. Retail is a very... Um, I don't like to talk like that, but it's a very, um, nobody's allowed to know anything. We need to say like, nobody, they don't collaborate. They don't have networking yeah. events. They don't have, um, like MDS does a lot of these events, like where you get sellers together and you spend quality time together and you help each other out. Retail doesn't have that. Like you have salespeople, um, you work with Walmart or Target or Bed Bath & Beyond or TJ Maxx, whatever the, the store is. You, you try to get to a buyer, you show them stuff, you have a showroom and that's it. There's no community sense of community versus in the Amazon world, there is a bunch of service providers, hundreds of service providers out there. And there's millions of sellers or hundreds of thousands of sellers in the US. 
and we all work as a team. So we have sellers helping each other out. We have service providers helping other service providers or helping sellers out. So the sense of community that we have as e-commerce and Amazon sellers or Walmart sellers, whatever that you sell on, is a very different lifestyle than what people that sell just to retailers. So we are very strong. Again, it's my background community because I was an Amazon seller. I have went to every single conference out there, um, bigger conferences out there in the past. Um, I've gone to all the prospers from the beginning till now. Um, and I believe in that, like we, we are here. Um, it's not only like you speak to the seller, oh, I'm having a problem with my PPC. My A cost is too high. Like, what do I do? I'm a logistics guy, right? So if I'm a logistics guy, like, I have no idea, like, figure it out, like, uh, speak to someone, I don't know. So the way we, we work with Amazon, like, probably you're in the MDS group, people ask you questions, right? And is what is it? Like, yeah, speak to this guy, speak yeah. to that guy. Um, that person could help you. They're really good. Like, that's the sense of community that we as Amazon sellers are, and same thing as service providers, helping sellers. Amazing. So that's what, um, that's basically our values and, and that's what I love doing. What I do is part of sense of community. Like we go to event, you go to event, right? And you meet these uh, the MDS members, right? You're all like, Hey, what's up, buddy? What's going on? Like it's family. Yeah. So I, I spoke by prosper. We did a, I did a dinner with Techometrics um, together and I spoke there and I said, like, I love going to these events, like a prosper, thing like that, because yeah, we have personal life and that's family life. Right. But in the workspace, we never had that idea that like in the workspace, in work life, you could also have family. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's beautiful. So I always say like, I love going to Prosper. I love going to different events is because I meet my family again. Yeah, it's work family, but it's still family. And and the same thing here where I work in here is like my father is the owner, right? Um, he worked with his father back before we started the 3PL business. We're... For our staff here, everyone, it's it's a very family um, way of working together. So that's what I love. And I feel like I feel accomplished with my day because I feel like I'm with a, I'm in a family environment. And that's what people have to understand. It's like some people are like, oh, this is business. Like you gotta be really stuck up and like very proper and like corporate-y. Like I don't I don't I yeah, I don't believe in that. I believe that, yes. Personal family, you have to have family time. You have to have the life balance of work-life balance. But even the workspace is beautiful to have um, that family feel when you work. Yeah, it's great. It's really, it's it's like I, I've looked at it. It's, it's like you can really have that blending of personal and work life. Like right. you really can. I think we're taught growing up, at least I was, to have that separation. Um and, and you really don't need to, I mean, you need to get shit done at work, you know, <laughs> like you need to do stuff and accomplish right. things and, and, you know, be true to your word and do what you, uh, say you're going to do you, you should probably do those things in general, you know, but like, at least in business, when you're, when other people are depending on you to work towards a common goal, um, it, it becomes a little more critical. Right. Um, it, but it could be so much fun, man. Like I've, I've had some bad businesses with, uh, friends that I grew up with before I got into e-commerce and they went bad. It wasn't just because it was a bad idea to go into business together. It was just like, I wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. We both <laughs> were making terrible decisions. Like, right. 
a lot of people just say, oh, yeah, you know, friends and business don't do that. Um, but you see it all the time in our world. Like right. people start in MDS. We see it all the time. People starting new businesses, you know, in other industries and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, great things can happen when you uh, when you're able to get to that point. And I tell you what, like if you're listening to this episode right now and, and you don't you need help with logistics and stuff like that and you're in e-commerce, you know, I don't know why you wouldn't be hitting up Ephraim uh, right after this because he's just got such a great background in it, history, truly understands the business and know what it means to not go out of stock at Amazon. And it sounds Thank like you. you've kind of baked that into your whole business, like down right. to your manager uh, level, um, which is great, man. Um, you know, so like, why don't you let, tell people, um, all that you guys do at tactical, like, I know you mentioned full service provider, but what's some of the major things you guys do and, uh, where can people find you? Right. So what we do exactly is we do obviously we're a freight forwarder. So we import from mostly obviously from China, but we bring imports from a lot of different areas from, um, Turkey, Egypt, Israel. Um, Japan, Korea, um, India, Vietnam, Thailand, like all different places. But obviously, China is always going to be the leading, the leading um, um, area where people import from. Um, so we do ocean freight, air freight, um, not small partial. So anything okay. DHL, FedEx, thing like that. Um, I send that my wife's way um, because I'm. We're not stepping on each other's toes. Um, so anything like that, we do custom clearance, um, container drage, so that's pickup from the port, or if it's LCL, um, the less container load, we do the pickup truck. And then we offer 3PL warehousing in California mainly. Um, the East Coast right now where I'm at, we're completely full. You can see in the background, pallets are stacked up till yeah. the till the the ceiling um but we're looking to add more space here as well but first we're expanding in in california so we're doing anywhere between um just regular fba carton labeling any vast value-added services that's bundling qc check relabeling removing inserts adding inserts anything that's needed um for any prep work to sell on Amazon, we do that. Um, and then we deliver to Amazon. So we make our own appointments. Uh, we control that. Um, so Amazon doesn't control us. Um, so I'm not competing on pricing with Amazon, obviously. I'm not here to try to compete with their rate. They're really cheap. Um, but I compete on speed. So in Q4, you schedule a truckload for Amazon. They might show up two weeks late or even when they show up on time. They just drop the trailer in the Amazon's yard and whenever they get to it, they'll offload it versus all our carriers are live offloads. So basically they have to live unload it. We have sometimes our driver was there um, to for 18 hours. Wow. Um, till he got discharged, but <laughs> that's Amazon's so nothing you can do about it, but at least they got offloaded and it didn't stay in their yard. <laughs> wow. That's intense. Sorry. Yeah. The record was two years ago before COVID. <laughs> Um, was 23 hours. Wow. Oh my God. That's intense. <laughs> yeah. But the majority are around eight, six, eight, ten 10 hours. So that's basically in a nutshell of what we do. Um, we are going to expand by end of this year um, on QC check and uh, inspection and sourcing in China. Cool. Um, that's going to be probably towards the end of the year. We're in the middle of setting that up. All right. Um, 
And then that's smart, man. I'd be like that. If you can fill that gap too, man, like that's so that's like the full Amazon. Right. Yeah. And the last piece will be like the B2C because right now we're not doing direct to consumer. Okay. Um, only for basically a partially like some sellers sell bulky products like that are one unit in a box. Well, you got to do slap on a label and ship it out. Um, that's what we would do. But if anything that we have to open up boxes and starting to keep track on units, like we don't do that yet, but there's okay. a huge demand for that because obviously um, people want that. Um, so that's going to be the last step probably sometime next year. I'm going to start beta, like we're going to start testing it out. Because we used to do it the manual way. And if we do it again, we're going to do it the automatic way. So with robots, machines, um, conveyor belts, everything um, digital. Okay. So that's that's our our next year's hopefully growth. Um, but obviously, if sellers are running out of stock and they want to switch to merchant fulfilled, we do that all the time. Um, there's a process how to do that in our system, but we do that all the time. Awesome. Obviously, we're not here to screw you. And like, if it needs to be switched on for a day or two days, we'll do that. Okay. Um, but it's just not our core business right now. So it's not like something that I tell people, hey, we do it because we don't. And again, but like if, I bet you can't get that with a lot of other providers, right? Where it's like, oh, hey. If they don't yeah, do it. They, we, they, we they don't do it. Fulfilled by merchant on Amazon, right? Like, they'll be like, <laughs> no, what the hell are you talking about? Get out right. of here, man. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, that's that's the part of the, the urgency part. Like, if something like that has to happen, we go away from our SOP and we do the urgency part of just helping out yeah. um, um, our I sellers. Think, and that's where... Um, it's one of those things where the like at first you said the discipline and the urgency they kind of can work against each other but um lately I've had a perspective shift on this where it's like the the discipline allows you to uh be urgent properly right like now exactly. that you've been disciplined now you're in a position to react right. to these crave these out exactly. of nowhere things that happen right um yeah, it's or it could be there could be amenities or they could really, really blend together and work together as a team. And that's what we try to do. But yeah. like definitely there's two ways how to look at it. And the best way is obviously always to try to blend in versus just no, we can't yeah. do it. Like so stuff, man. Well, I know like everyone in the communities had nothing but good things to say about you, which is which is great. Thank you. So um, you know, for anyone listening, um, definitely hit up Ephraim if you have a need for what uh tactical offers. Um and for those that are just listening in, where where can they find you if they want um, to reach out? They could look for my name on LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, they could email me at Ephraim at tacticallogistic.com um or reach out from the website either way. All right. Uh, they'll all come to me at some, at some point. Right. Um, one of my team members will forward it over to me. So yeah, any of these places, I'll get through to you. Sounds good, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's been good chatting with you. Thank and, you, Nick. And I look forward to uh, talking again soon. Same here. It's good to see you. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Enjoy the weekend. Right. It's coming up. Yeah, you too, man. Take Bye. care. Bye. Are you a million-dollar seller looking to network with like-minded entrepreneurs? Apply for membership now at milliondollarsellers.com. Leave us a review and subscribe now so you don't miss out on next week's episode.